Hi, this is Steve with Thresher Media Group. Welcome to When You're Ready to Listen. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the truth about God, things you may not have understood, may not have been taught, or quite frankly, had a very hard time believing. And since our entire relationship with God rests on believing, it is important we learn how to separate the truth from the many lies and fictions that abound within the religion of Christianity. So when you're ready to listen, tune in and discover a pathway to freedom, encouragement, life, and hope. One of the most important truths that I want to communicate to you, and which you'll hear quite often if you continue to tune in, is that only God is good. In Matthew 19, 17, Jesus says, there is only one who is good. And in Mark 10, 18, he says that no one is good except God alone. These are exclusive statements with no exceptions. Only God is good. The implications of this truth, however, are mind-blowing, religion-shattering, and are intended to revolutionize our relationship with God. The point is that we literally have nothing to offer. If only God is good, there is simply no good in us to offer to God, no matter how hard we try or how sincere our intentions. We may be convinced we are good. We may truly believe we have something to offer to God in terms of our commitment, our service, our obedience, our sincerity, our worship, our love, and so on. But truth be told, we do not even have the capacity capacity for doing anything which God would consider to be good. Even our ability to believe comes as a grant from Him. In fact, He is the one responsible for any goodness that comes from our lives. Spiritually speaking, human goodness is a myth, a fiction, a complete lie. All our so-called good is tainted with a rotten sickness embedded within our humanity a sickness that is obsessed with advancing the me. Truth be told, we are mercenary through and through. With every thought and intention of the heart fixated on our own needs, our wants, our desires, and our perspective of what is good and bad and right and wrong. In contrast, the Spirit tells us that there is none righteous, not even one. There's no one who does good. There is not even one. Again, we have another one of those exclusive statements, which is not just hard to accept, it is extremely hard to believe. After all, we are so deeply convinced of our own goodness. It's the foundation of how we find our value and worth as people. Yet the Spirit says that everything within our being, our heart, our mind, our soul, and strength is tainted with what the Bible calls our flesh, our old sinful nature. That part of us that cannot please God, stands in opposition to God, is never willing to obey Him, can't obey Him, and always sets its desire against the Spirit of God. He also tells us that our hearts are sick and more deceitful than all else. Yes, all else. Comments like that, are so hard to wrap our brain around because we love our goodness. Oh, we get it. We know what he is saying, but we don't really get it. This becomes one of those religious cliches 
For we don't live as if this is a truth, much less as if it is our truth. And to top it off, he adds that our good deeds are like a dirty menstrual cloth. I mean, the imagery is a bit shocking, but it makes the point which most of us, in our delusion of goodness, wants to ignore. Hence, Jesus said that we do not even realize that the light we think we have, the goodness we think we're capable of, is darkness, and how deep that darkness runs in and through our being. And so we are adamantly warned, who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on God. But watch out, you who live in your own light and warm yourself by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You'll soon fall down in great torment. When we are convinced of our own goodness, when we are convinced that God owes us something for what we have done for him, a belief which usually lies not in our cognitive brain, but deep in our emotional construct, and when we believe our good behavior and our good choices to serve God and honor people are, well, good, then we're deeply delusional and are warming ourselves by our own fires. Torment is our destiny. Accordingly, there is absolutely nothing we can do for God, ever, that matters to Him. The operative word being do. No matter how hard we try, how disciplined we become, how obedient, how much we fight against sin, how much time we spend reading our Bibles and praying, how sincere and well-meaning our efforts are, or how caring and loving we act, it is all worthless to God. Here is the baseline truth. The source matters. The source is everything. Unless God, the only one who is capable of good, is the one who is doing his work in and through our lives, every aspect of our work, our offering to God, is corrupted by our sin and selfishness and is therefore worthless. This is the reason Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He meant it, literally nothing. By way of example, in Revelation 3, Jesus wrote a personal letter to the church at Sardis. This church had a grand reputation in the community and amongst other churches in Asia for being alive. But Jesus said they were dead and dying. But the most radical and mind-blowing comment he made was, I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Now, that may not sound too mind-blowing to you, but we have to just dig in just a little bit to understand this comment. And keep in mind, this was a vibrant church, highly active, and everyone was convinced they were doing great things for God. But the verb we have translated as completed is rendered in the Greek perfect passive participle. The perfect speaks of something that occurred in the past, but still has implications to the now. The passive means that some third party is doing the action on behalf of the person in question. And the participle just speaks of it being an ongoing event. Now, I know language lessons are hard to grasp over the airwaves, but let me just say that this should have been translated as follows. I have never found your deeds being done by me. Jesus is that third person. And he's saying that going back to the beginning, all your work, 
that you have been doing was never done by me. Can you imagine? Nothing, absolutely nothing about their great reputation for being alive was a product of Jesus, the only one who is good. It was all a product of their religion, of their trying extremely hard to be good for God. I want you to take note here. There is a fundamental difference between a person who lives for God and a person who has God living in and through them. If it is God at work in and through our lives, then what we do is good because he is good. But if we are trying in any way to be good for God, again, whether it is reading our Bibles, praying, serving, giving, doing missions, worship, or what I would call any manner of church-worthy deeds, then by definition, it is not good. No matter how Christian it seems or feels, and the results of our good deeds, what God does for people, does not alter the condition of the source or the quality of the work. Jesus made this truth about the source abundantly clear when he said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is gut-wrenching. People can do supernatural deeds, casting out demons, miracles, and prophesying all in his name, deeds which we know ministered to people who were desperate and in need, but still they are deemed lawless or unauthorized. Simply said, they were not done according to the will of the Father. He even tells them, I never knew you, which is similar to what he said to those in Sardis. In effect, I never did any of your deeds. And never is a pretty significant and poignant word. As hard as it may be, we must come to accept the truth that goodness is not determined by our actions or our intentions or by the outcome of those actions, but only by the source. The source matters. The source is everything. The delusion of our own personal goodness is one of the biggest deceptions in which most of us live. And it is at the heartbeat of the religion of Christianity. Yet, if only God is good, then only God can do good. We cannot. This truth is so extreme and exclusionary that practically we cannot fathom it to be true. It just can't be. After all, we tried so hard, we meant well, and we were only wanting to please God and obey Him. But the source matters. The source is everything. I found within myself that I have loved my goodness. It has been such a deep part of my personhood, my very identity. It's how I have found my value and worth. In fact, we've all been trained to love our goodness. We're taught from the youngest of ages that if we want to get anywhere in this life, to be treated right, to get the relationships and the things we desire, we need to do what is right. We need to do what is good. And by all means, stop doing what is bad. We get rewarded when we are good. We get punished when we are bad. And this is common across all humanity. Accordingly, we have all learned to delight in our own fires. 
and to use our goodness to require of God and to require of others. After all, if we were good to them, we fully expect them to be good to us. It's the way of the world. Furthermore, we must understand that the delusion of our own personal goodness is extremely nuanced. Thus, we're easily deceived by the nature of our deeds, by our intentions, and by their result, especially when there is significant ministry outcome that blesses other people. Thus, it becomes extremely hard to know if God was the one doing the work or if we were doing the work. And then we have the religion of Christianity, where people are compelled by others and by their own understanding and conscience to serve God, use their gifts for God, to give for God, to obey God, and so on. It's the Christian thing to do, and it is how church functions. Sounds reasonable. Sounds right. But to help us discern the source, we need to ask, why? Why do we engage in our good works? Is it to be right with God? To honor Him? To find favor with Him? To ensure His blessing? To avoid judgment or punishment? To not sin? To find meaning, purpose, identity, and fulfillment? Because serving God feels so good and others are legitimately helped by our service? Or is it because it's the right Christian thing to do and so on? These seem like all good motivations, but they reveal that we are still focused on the me. And just because we do things in his name does not make it a work of God. After all, prophesying, working miracles, and casting out demons all done in his name, did not alter the quality of their work. They were still considered to be lawless, unauthorized, not the will of the Father, because they were not sourced from the Father. Further, we must come to realize that it does not matter if what we are doing is considered biblical and not blatantly sinful. For just like goodness, Sin is determined by the source, not the act. Let me say that again. Sin is determined by the source, not the act. In and of itself, the act is just the fruit of what we believe. And this has radical implications. Everything we do, every word we say, every breath we take, every move we make that is not derived from Jesus living his life in and through our lives is sin because of the source. We have a sin condition that is proved out by our sinful behavior. The behavior, well, it's just the fruit of the condition. It is not the problem. And that is why trying to fix the behavior, control it, manage it, hold it accountable, it doesn't change our condition, no matter how many rules and controls we try and implement in our lives. Our seemingly never-ending battle with sin It's driven by the source. Again, if only God is good, then by definition, only God can do good. The source matters. The source is everything. Now, I would bet few people would logically disagree with the idea that only God is good. Still, most do not bet their lives upon that truth when it comes to their personal relationship with God. In other words, it may be a biblical truth, But this needs to become our personal truth. Only God is good means that we are absolutely 100% impoverished, needy in everything, all the time, 
for what God can be for us. Let me say that again. We are absolutely 100% impoverished, needy in everything all the time for what God can be for us. You see, the standard is perfection. And the reason we must both understand and accept this truth that only God is good is because the Father's standard for all things is perfection. Literally, He is the standard. And we are commanded to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And like the Holy One who called us, we are to be holy as He is holy. Yet perfection and holiness are things to which we can never live up. Only Christ in us, the perfect one, can do perfect works in and through our lives. Well then, you might be asking, what does God expect from us? Our job is always only about faith, about actively believing the truth. Or said another way, it's about our willingness to now and continually bet our lives on the truth. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. These truths of the Bible must become our personal truth by which we live, by which we bet our lives, by which we would stand and die upon, or we will remain in a religious delusion, doing unauthorized works, lawless deeds. For instance, we are urged by the mercies of God to present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. Clearly, sacrifice is not a pretty image. It's not something that we all jump up and down and say, yay, I want to be a sacrifice, for it speaks of a bloody death, and in this case, our volitional death. Thus, to bet our lives on this truth, to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, we must be willing to let God put that mercenary part of our soul, our wretched heart, our flesh, our old sinful nature, we must let him put it to death such that it no longer rules our thoughts, emotions, and our actions but he does. To get a free download of the full written transcript with all the scripture references footnoted, please go to threshermediagroup.com. That is T-H-R-E-S-H-E-R mediagroup.com. This is Steve with Thresher Media Group. When you're ready to listen, Tune in.